0: to another episode of Rec Talk. I'm your host Nitin Sharma uh, of uh, rectools.io. If you are in recruitment, which I'm hoping you are because you wouldn't be listening to this podcast otherwise, probably, um, if you're in recruitment, you're looking to take advantage of some AI tools and you want to just get started and trial it out and see if it's right for you, uh, might I suggest our free to use AI playground. So we've got uh, the version two now of our job ad generator. Um, You pop in the the job title of what you're recruiting for, the location, the industry that it's in, and then three key selling points and let the AI do the rest. Uh, We've trained and uh, worked on it in the background to act as a recruiter, so there's no further prompts needed. There's no um, kind of GPT hacks that you need to throw into there. It all works. It works very well and is used by a whopping 1,500 users as of this week. Um, That's at rectools.io. And remember, if you're in recruitment, it's free for you to use. My guest today is the founder, CEO of uh, <laughs> of Recruitment Ops, I'm going to get the name right, yep. I'm going to get the name right, <laughs> <by. laughs> I was like, well, wait, wait, yeah, Recruitment Ops Mentoring, yes. it's new. It's a new concept and I really like what we've been talking about, but my guest today is Natasha South of Recruitment Ops Mentoring, um, thank you for taking the time to come on and um, sharing kind of your insights and stuff, we've done a lot of talking off camera, of some really interesting stuff, but Look, over to you. Tell us, what what is Recruitment Ops Mentoring and why is it that that's something you're doing?
1: Yeah, so thank you for having me on today. Um, I think the The main thing for me is I I've been working in the recruitment sector for about 13 14 years now mm-hmm. um, I was originally a recruiter worked um, as a tech recruiter back in the day tiny little startup um, moved over into the operations role sort of built my career up um, into the sort of operations director position mm-hmm. Um I think I had a really unique insight in that the company that I grew a lot of my career with, Camino Partners, Um, they were the only consultancy. In the country that specializes purely in placing people like me, i.e., those non-sales roles, right. yeah, into yeah. other recruitment businesses. So I was kind of going along that journey myself of building an operations function from scratch. So I was the first person that went in um, at a senior level to grow that business out. And I was going through various challenges in that, you know, we were looking to triple, quadruple headcount. We launched internationally, we launched. Um, multiple brands, we dealt with COVID, we dealt with all of those things Mm -hmm. that have kind of happened um, in the sector over the last few years and I was in a lucky position in that when I needed help or if I needed insight into something or if there wasn't something that that I knew how to do... Um, because of our network, I had a database of people in front of me that were doing the same job as me, that were going through those challenges, that had already been through those challenges. And particularly when I was looking at things like my career progression, Mm -hmm. um, every year I would be like, right, what do I need to do to get my next promotion? Tell me, like, what do I need to learn? What do I need to be showing? What are those next steps? And uh, my CEO, Satin, was always like, right, go and find out like go and do that go and find out speak to the sector speak to the network and I would just you know I was really lucky because I had that network in front Mm -hmm. of me so I just started phoning people and being like so have you done this have you got like you got any advice for me on this um and from that I sort of built a little community which was um originally just a whatsapp group Right. Yeah. And I started putting all of us together and people were contacting me being like, oh, have you gone through this or do you know, like anyone I can talk to? And I'd be like, yeah, actually, I do. Yeah. And the WhatsApp group itself kind of exploded and we've now got circa 100 um, ops professionals yeah. in yeah. the recruitment sector. Um, it's a really, really active group. And what I love about it is, you know, there's so much engagement and people are really open to helping each other. And over the years, what I realized is we were all in the same position and it's actually a really lonely position to be in. So when you are an ops manager, ops director, et cetera, et cetera, for an SME recruitment business, mm-hmm. you are usually completely alone and you are covering everything so you are in that position where you are the marketing person you're the hr person you are the legal and compliance person sometimes you're the finance person as well and it's really hard from like a knowledge and skills perspective for you to go and for you to learn all of those things right there's no one to learn from exactly this is it so you are usually the person that, that is paving the way for that and over the the, the years um, with Camino, they were super supportive of me, particularly with our events and stuff like that, where I was able to go out into the sector and be like, right, I'm going to put on events around how do we progress? What do those progression roles look like? I'm going to put events on over specific education points around how we're implementing certain policies or when, you know, the dreaded GDPR came out, we mm-hmm. were doing lots of content because literally no one knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And as I started kind of building my network and reaching out to people and having these conversations, I realized that we were all saying the same thing. And that it was, we were going into these roles. We had no training. There usually wasn't someone above us who we could learn from. The majority of the time we are making it up as we go along. Mm -hmm. And I realized that actually, wouldn't it be so impactful to the recruitment businesses themselves if we put a little bit of structure around that. And actually, rather than people having to go through this trial and error process or having to spend loads of time going out and researching and, you know, having to learn each of those topics themselves, if we actually presented them with, you know, a checklist of here's what you need
0: to know... Yeah, almost sort of standardise it of, like, this is the framework you need to be kind of working to. Exactly.
1: Um, And towards the end of my career uh, with Camino, I was conducting a little bit of research, and I was looking at specifically career paths. And we all know there is so much research into why sort of career clarity and stuff like that is really important for your engagement, Mm -hmm. for your motivation. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that builds business success by having people that are in those positions that want to be there.
0: Yeah, but your CEO or kind of owner of the business has to buy into that ideology, right? Yeah. Because essentially they're, they're, what they're doing is they're bringing these people in to run their business for them.
1: Exactly. And, and if so, you it, if you speak to recruitment business owners about their ops person, they'll be like, we could not survive yeah. without that person. They were like, they know that that person like runs. And yeah. the, the great quote that Sachin always used is that, with a glue that holds the business together. Mm -hmm. And without that glue, like, the business cannot operate. It definitely cannot grow.
0: So why the lack of investment in that area, then? If there's an acknowledgement of the importance of that function, why the lack of investment?
1: I think it's simply that because it is not fee-generative, there is a struggle for sort of sales and recruitment people to to see the true value. like It's almost seen as uh, something that you have to have, rather than something that you want to have, that you want to invest in, that you want to move forward. Because you can't as an ops person, although actually, I believe you can, as an ops person, show how you are directly contributing to
0: increasing revenue. Just, it, just don't turn up for a week.
1: Yeah, well, this is well, it. No, but like, yeah. genuinely, right? Just, yeah, just don't turn yeah. up
0: for a week. Oh, what, what do you do? Well, I'll show you. Yeah. I'm not being here for a week. I'll show you what I do, because you'll miss me. You're right.
1: This is it. You go on holiday, and all of a sudden, everyone is like, oh, dear God, like, we, we, don't, know how to, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do yeah. that. You know, all of those things. Um and i think for me it was looking at some really like quite upsetting statistics around like only 25% of ops professionals are even set personal development objectives so at the start of the year when most people are going through right here's what our personal development plans are for the yeah. year if you're a recruiter you get sat down and you're told oh, it's this roadmaps
0: is roadmaps to yeah. right to business manager isn't it right yeah, yeah. I mean, from from today you're in your you, you squeaky wheels all the way through to you're going to be running a business unit and this is how much you need to build along the way exactly whereas with an ops manager i suppose yeah if you're if you're in that kind of mentality of um, kind of promoting based on billings and promoting based on kind of reward scheme. Yeah, How do you do that with an ops manager?
1: This is it. And part of that is it's a lack of, it's a lack of education, but somewhat a lack of wanting to get educated on it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time people in these positions are kind of taken a little bit for granted in that they they understand that they are essential to the business But there's nothing proactive. Do you you think
0: by empowering them, though, that the directors worry that they will realise how important they are and therefore put the business at risk by holding them to ransom for pay rises and or kind of, do do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just playing devil advocate here. So if I'm a business owner, which, you know, I ran a recruitment business. I didn't have a recruitment ops manager. Um, Me and my business partner played that that role, right? Yeah. Um, And we grew to a sizable size. In my head, I'm thinking if I if I'm a um, if I'm a big corporate or I've come from a big corporate, then I'm going to automatically be like when I'm mapping out my team, yeah. I need an ops person yeah. because I've always had that. So I always see the relevance and importance yeah. of having that person. But also at the same time, I mean, this person is practically running my business for me. Yeah. You know, do I really want this person to start looking at themselves as I'm running your business for you? You know, you are turning over four million quid a year. And I should have a cut of that pie. Yeah. Now let's talk about my personal development. Because, okay, so where do you go from recruitment ops manager to recruitment ops director? Yeah. Then where do you go from there? Yeah. Like, do you want shareholding? You know, do you, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And
0: so that's probably a scary conversation for a CEO to kind of be like, I brought Natasha in to kind of run my shit for me, but I don't want her to know that she's running my shit for me. <laughs> because the minute she realizes that she's running my shit for me, then I'm in a lot of trouble. You know? Yeah.
1: So I think it's that classic quote, isn't it, around what happens if you invest in people and they leave versus what happens if you don't and they stay. And for me, I think any businesses that are looking to grow, it is an absolute no brainer to be developing and investing in the people who literally build that infrastructure for you. Like, if you have someone that can come into that position or can be shown tried and tested ways, rather than them having to go through a trial and error process or or work it out for themselves, that only benefits you as a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why
0: would you want them to go through trial and error? Yeah, this is Is it. it every, Every error costs you.
1: This is it. And, you know, I... And, and that's kind of my point is I went through that throughout my whole career in operations like I had to just go right I think this is going to work let's have a go thankfully a lot of the time it worked but also there were times that it didn't mm-hmm. and there are things where I'm like actually if I had known xyz or I had had contact with this person and this person had given me xyz advice I wouldn't have had to go through that process and and you know, have things not go the way that you needed them to go in the first place. Um, And I also think it's that, like engagement and investment, you should want that person to want to be a shareholder. You should want that person to want to go from being an employee, to being a leader, to being yeah, yeah. a shareholder. Because ultimately, think about the investment that you've got from someone that's driving. But,
0: but there's your retention tool as well, right? Exactly. Oh, are you scared that this person's going to leave and go and do it for themselves? Well, if, if they've if they got skin in the game, they are not want to do that, are they? Exactly. If, if they felt valued along the way, yeah. This is it. It's an interesting one, because I think there's, and we spoke about this off camera, right? There's a bit of a genesis going on, I think, within the industry. Right? Yeah. And I think a lot of recruitment businesses are going to kind of either have to change or kind of perish. Yeah. Um very similar things going on within the, within the adoption of kind of marketing yep. as a concept. Yeah, you know, A lot of recruitment businesses saw that as like a waste of money. I can't directly put revenue to that and therefore it's not needed. Yeah. And almost like RevOps sat within You know, you sort of, you know... Recruitment ops people sat within that as well, right? Yeah, I I need them because you know I I I need them, but I don't know how much the money they're generating for me. Exactly, because I can't you know quantify it like I can with my billets. Yeah, but it's like that mentality really needs to start shifting.
1: And also, if you think about the fact that, like we said, there's going to be this change. Who is it that's managing that change? It is your operations people. They are the people that are, you know, looking at the tech that's being implemented. Mm -hmm. They're gonna project manage that, implement it, and actually drive the usage of it. And do you want someone who's never done that before? Like, we know how expensive, like, tech is. And also, if you fuck it up, it is monumentally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. expensive to your business. Um, and the fact that we kind of, you know, the first two CRM migrations I did, like, I had no support on it. And it was only by the third one that I actually had yeah. someone who's, and I was like, oh, this is so much easier yeah. than nice the two times.
0: Holding your hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, who's you know, been there and done that? Yeah. Oh, I
1: right. had learned the hard way. And then to go into this position where yeah. I was working with um, Kamal and I was just like, oh, OK, there is an easier way to do this you know and it's what i'm trying to do with with this program is it's around actual sort of practical training as well Mm -hmm. so looking at identifying skills gaps and filling in or directing how to fill in that knowledge of XYZ because operations is hugely varied. It depends mm-hmm. on whether you are in a standalone role. You might have, you know, a marketing person or a HR person or a compliance yeah, person. Some of those
0: duties might be digging out, but yeah. the majority by and large might still be on your plate. Yeah. And
1: you also, if if you wanna go up a career path once you're getting into that ops director COO type role, all of those things need to sit under you yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's around helping people. I, again, classic quote that I always say is, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it has taken me years and years. And I still say that now, and I still have my own mentors. I still have my own training that I do. I, you know, I'm still developing myself. Um, and what I'm hoping to do with this is kind of pass on all of that knowledge that I've gained from 14, you know, nearly 15 years in the Mm -hmm, sector. mm -hmm. Um, but also empower people to kind of be like, you can really add value to the recruitment businesses that you're working in. And actually what I'm going to train you on is how to set up an ops function that does directly show that you're generating and contributing to, to revenue or you're saving money, right? Everything that we do is well, it's, sales it's enablement.
0: Six and two threes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: it. Yeah. So I think it's it's helping people to kind of create a, a properly value-adding operations function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think like like we mentioned off camera earlier, I've I've started noticing a bit of a trend around those more senior. Um, operational people, you know, facing redundancy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to build a function that can really show how it is generating that revenue and actually your leadership of that function and that strategy of that function is, you know... A, a Do
0: you think that's feeding into the the rise in redundancies within that space? So sort of the, <sighs> the lack of ability to be able to actually put onto paper, here's what I made, saved... Yeah, Yeah.
1: definitely in some cases. Mm -hmm. I think in others, you know, the issue that you have is businesses, we're facing a tough time in the sector, right? So we are looking to cut costs where we can. Mm -hmm. Um, You will kind of get to the point where a really, really senior operations person is going to be expensive to your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's about making sure the the value that they're adding from a strategic perspective is very very visible.
0: What's the trend in the, in then the replacement of these people? So if I've got an ops person and I get rid of them through redundancy or yeah. otherwise, what, are it, what is the trend? Am I am I replacing that person or am I doing it myself?
1: So what's happening a lot of the time is it's either being replaced with more junior people. Okay. So you're again going in with less outlay On your staffing
0: costs. Which, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You come in, you put in frameworks, you get everything in order, you've got your process logs, everything is now done. And someone else can run it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And don't get me wrong, like, that is almost, like, the way that I have seen my life cycle go within Mm -hmm. my jobs. And actually, why now, at this point, I wanted to move away and do my own thing. Because I was like, I you know, have done this multiple times yeah. now where you're going in and you're yeah, building. it's
0: so it a rinse and repeat and I can, I can, yeah, there's another way to do
1: this. This is it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the idea is for me was always around build a really strong team underneath me so that actually I can then step away from the business mm-hmm. because if I'm starting alone and covering everything, What I eventually want to do is I need to have that marketing person, I have that HR person, have that compliance person. And you don't need someone of my level to be managing that on a day to day basis unless you're going through serious strategic growth, unless you're building for a sale, Mm -hmm. unless you're like, you know, there is going to be a process that you need to go through.
0: But again, the stat's something like 0.8% of recruitment businesses actually go through to a completed sale. Yeah. So that whole, that's that's a fallacy. Yeah. You know, that's something that a lot of investment firms and PE and VCs have used as a way to hook people into a mentality. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that that just, that just doesn't happen as often as people Yeah. Thing. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I, see, I think... Um, And I've said this a a couple of times on on previous episodes that I I think we're now kind of at the latter end of the sort of decade of the entrepreneur. Yeah. um, Where kind of millennials and and, and sort of the the generation X above we used to set up businesses and and, and so on. And I think we're very much heading into the decade of the freelancer. Mm, Because I think for for a lot of people, it resonates a lot with people with the whole Work-life balance. Yeah, I just want my time back. I don't want to be a millionaire. You know, I don't. I just if I can put food on my plate and keep a roof over my head and have enough money to do some fun shit with. Yeah, that's more important to me. I'm happy with four days a week and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I think actually the industry within w- what you operate within kind of lends itself really well when you've got a senior ops person. I don't need to work for just one business anymore, right? Yeah, I can absolutely be like, do you know what? There's three clients I've got. I give them a day a week. Yeah. You know, and one day a week is all they really need me to do, which is to come in, check everything's in order. Yep, that's fine. And I fire off my invoices to those three clients, and I work three days a week. And the rest of my time is my time. Yeah, and I can spend some of that time on business development. I can spend some of that time on you know personal growth or business growth, or just do what the fuck I want. Yeah, I can take a pottery class. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's almost like it's a, it's almost one can argue it's a good thing that it's now because a lot of people like that they need a push. They yes. need that push, right? Of oh, crap, what am I going to do now? And it's yeah. almost creating new opportunities for yourself by going, I've got a skill set that's useful yeah. to a booming industry of yeah. 36,000 recruitment agencies. Does a 10-person business like mine last year need an ops person? No. 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 Does my Would my business benefit, and would I have benefited from having somebody one day a week say, I'll sort that shit. Yeah. I'll do the CRM demos. I'll do the make sure the payroll people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And get on the phone to this person. Chase that. I'll do all of that. Yeah. You know, you just focus on getting the billers billed.
1: Well, this is it. I think the particularly in the, in the kind of market that I work in, which is that kind of SME market, you're exactly right. When you're on that smaller scale, you as a business owner are expected to do everything yeah. so you're not just probably billing yourself hiring internally and then training internally mm-hmm. you're having to deal with all of the shit like yeah. all of the admin all of the stuff that goes into that and the there certainly is you know I've, I've, i wrote an article on this around like who is the right person to hire into your business and i think ultimately it depends on what your growth journey wants to be so if you're going into this with an intention of Let's grow rapidly. You know, you've got the the success stories of, you know, various businesses. I won't necessarily mention by name, but we've seen some, we've seen some like absolute insanity over the last couple of years. And you're not, you're not going to get that from hiring someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, It is a big upfront investment. I think when you're a business owner, it's quite scary to go, right, here's, 50 60k a year that's going on to someone who I'm not directly yeah. gonna see generating revenue, but actually, it's about looking at that bigger picture and going, If I have this these processes in place, um, if I have someone that can come in and kind of just build that structure straight away, we can crack on with that growth and we're going to be successful. If that person's doing that, that, yeah,
0: leaves me to do this exactly. A lot, of, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I feel a lot for recruitment business owners because, generally speaking, by and large. They are really good recruiters They've got confident enough to go and do it for themselves. Yeah, 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 And, you know, running a business and being a really good salesperson are two very different things. Yes. But we don't, there's no kind of mentorship that's out there for these business owners, right? And so you kind of like, you almost sort of, which is why I think there's been such a boom in in non-exec directors within the business space. Yes, yeah. Because there's a massive need for it. And that's not because these, the, these recruitment business owners are doing anything wrong. It's just they don't know what they don't know, like you said, right? Yes. And so there, there is that need for mentorship. There yeah. is that need for kind of self-reflection. Yeah. Look at, genuinely look at what you're doing and decide, is this the best use of my time? Yeah. You know? Should I be? You know, if, I, if I'm running a... Um, and uh, well, I mean, well, We had exactly this um, a year and a half ago when I decided to um, start focusing on kind of building the Rectools platform. It was, you know, should I even be running a desk? Mm. Yeah. Because I was. Is you know, it the best and, and use and me, of your time? Yeah, and, and me my, my former business partner used to have this out all the time. Because he'd be like, you know, I'm running this desk and I'm helping this person, I'm helping that. And I was like, but why? Why yeah. are you running a desk? Because every day you're running that desk, that's every day you're not spending with the team. Yeah. Or you're not doing something else, right? Yeah. We're at a point now where we shouldn't be running a desk. And it's, it's being able to have that ability to look at it and go, where is my time best used? Yeah. Yes, I could run a desk and bill 100 grand a year, or I could use my time more effectively in getting three consultants billing 100 grand a year. Exactly. Which is worth a lot more. Yeah. Which then covers the cost of my 50 grand ops person, yeah. who's coming in and, and, you know, for lack of a better term, wiping my ass for me because yeah. I have not have the time to. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, it, it all kind of works together, right? In a, in a well-oiled functioning machine, but how many of those do you ever see? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, based on based on everything I've seen not a, no, not a lot um and I and I think it's the also getting your ops people to have this kind of mindset of your job is sales ena- enablement yeah. how can we be using what our skill set is so my my the thing that I love and it's I've got such a funny background so like I did a degree in psychology and neuroscience, right? Brilliant. So <laughs> not, not, not many, not many people expected me to be yeah. here doing this. Um, but the thing that I really took from that is I was never really interested in, in like the scientific side of things, but I loved like the psychology of business and like, you know, for me it was looking at numbers yeah. and data and statistics and working out like how that models yeah. into Where actual, actual trends? behavior. Oh. So one of the big things that I that I teach my consultants is around, or teach my mentees, coaches, etc is around how we can absolutely nail that management information so how can we really really dig into the data of the way that a business is performing Mm -hmm. how an individual consultant is performing and essentially hand over to you as a business owner who's training them and i can go this person needs training on this this this, this and this and this is going to increase their output by x because a lot of the time, again, if you're in that position where you're doing everything, running desks, training people, it's really difficult to sometimes uncover what the actual blockers are. Mm-hmm. And you can put a lot of time and effort into training into a particular area. And actually, that was never the problem. That was not the issue, like, right. and and that's what I really love. Or a
0: generic one size fits all training session for everybody. Come on, yeah. guys, let's go downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, we'll order some lunch in and I'll do and, and you most of them are just not getting anything out of yeah. it. Because actually that's not their well, area the, of weakness, yeah.
1: The the thing that I always say is a lot of the t- like I always use this example when I'm talking about like how we look at ratios and stuff like this, where I'm like, you might look at your CV to interview ratio and it might be too high. And your initial thought is gonna be, this person isn't good enough at resourcing, they can't get good enough candidates, etc. So you're gonna go and you're gonna put a resourcing training session together. But actually, that could not be the reason at all. Yeah. You're actually looking at your business development. You're looking at your client engagement, your client commitment. You know, has the role been been coded properly? Candidate process. Yeah, right. like the or whole thing. the
0: industry in which you're operating in. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to send a lot more caterers to interviews. Yeah. Than you do a head of finance.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna look at like fill ratios and come in with that mentality you're always good but yeah it's it's almost like actually the the recruitment ops person has got to play that devil's advocate role as well right? yeah and kind of stop the business because uh, yeah most business owners they haven't got that kind of sense checker to go hold on hold your horses yeah maybe look at this stuff yeah and and, and yeah okay uh, so i get kind of where you then fit into that which is let me mentor these guys into being a lot more than just the arse wipers yeah. and the fixers to let me add you some serious value here. This I want to give it. you data. It's you know, the commerciality piece. stuff That you're going to be able to look at and go, holy shit, I did not yeah. really have time to think about this. That's some really good interesting insight. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, there was, there was a period of time where, um, you know, la- I mean, last year for a lot of recruitment agencies, um, it was a tough year. Yeah. The ones who did well or kind of like survived at the back end of it were, from from what I can see in the conversations I've had, were data led businesses yeah. who had identified very early on in sort of like early Q2, there's a change coming, yeah. things are slowing down, something's happening and this isn't just a little blip of, of a handful of clients stop recruiting. Yeah. There's something going on in the market, we need to shift. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of others didn't realise that trend until sort of the start of Q three. Yeah. By which point it was way too late, and they burnt through a ton of cash over that summer, and thinking to, things will get better next month. This is
1: this is one of my my biggest things that I talk about is is, is like how early you need to be catching things, yeah. and actually, it's it's understanding that you can catch it that early. Another one that I always talk about is like performance management and how some businesses' performance management policies only kick in when it's at zero. Yeah. And I'm like, that is too late. <laughs> that is, yeah. you it, You can do so much before
0: that point. And how much damage have you let happen? Yeah, to get to get that, to yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. point. Why you're It's sort of like going, yeah, the room's on fire, the house is still up. Yeah you know, let's wait until the house is on fire and then we'll step in it's sort
1: of it's so oh, stupid it's just and, and it does it really really surprises me that but you'll
0: find those businesses are the ones that use performance management as a way to manage people out of the business exactly not as a way to manage people's performance exactly fundamental difference
1: it's it's the and to be honest i've had to check myself with this over like the terminology that i i use and you know, we had to change this at Camino around their performance improvement. Mm-hmm. So this is not a tool for us to get you out of the business. This is not me starting a HR process that is going to ultimately lead you to lose yeah. your job. This is me starting a process that is going to make sure you never hit zero because we're going to help you and yeah. we're going to identify those areas and we're going to get you back up and running before you get to that point. And I think... Again, from an operations perspective, it's around sometimes delivering data and management insights that your owners and CEO are not going to want to see. Like sometimes it's having that really, really objective approach to just be like, I'm not Mm -hmm. putting personal opinion on this. I am just showing you this is what the trend is. This is what's going to happen if we don't do something about this now. And you can choose to do with that what you will. But ultimately, as an ops person, we should be providing that data and we should be, you know, guiding that process to be like, here's what we can do about this. Let's design an initiative. Let's let's work out how yeah. we're going to remove those blockers or we're going to improve mm-hmm. those processes, um, whether it's from informing your L&D um, strategy or whether it's tying into your marketing so actually we're noticing a a downtrend in this well guess what let's go look at our marketing and see are we are we attracting the right people are we doing the right marketing activities or are our marketing activities aimed at completely the wrong type of we missed
0: missed the brief yes yeah Yeah.
1: exactly so it's for me around building that That sales enablement function that is adding true value Mm -hmm. by giving you management information that is going to allow you to catch those issues early, fix them before it starts having a major impact, and ultimately show you how are you going to increase your revenue? What are all of those little things that you can be tweaking along the way to actually get yourself some serious growth?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of responsibility for one
1: person though, right? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> but also <laughs> part of this is, you know, I think part of the coaching and the mentoring that I do is also helping people to to get that mindset shift, but also working with recruitment business leaders to be like, look, if you... Th- we can do some serious stuff together, but you've got to be on board and you've got to be invested. Mm-hmm. and you've got to realize that actually, you know it does make a massive difference if you've got an ops function that is built like this, yeah, that's, that's, that's driving the right thing yeah, like. that's that, that's generating value and that is putting those foundations in versus one where, You've got minimal investment. You're not providing them with any direction. It's seen as kind of an ops versus sales struggle where it's one versus the other. They're not integrated.
0: They're not. But these businesses will have exactly the same argument with sales versus marketing. Yes. Exactly the same argument with their sales and their finance team not getting on. Yeah. Because it's constantly like an internal struggle rather than them all kind of going towards the same route. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but
1: that's, that's a, you know, for me, I'm like, that's a top tier vision leadership problem. Mm-hmm. Like you, you need to have a really clear vision for your business and every single person, no matter what position they are in, needs to know what part they've got to play. Yeah. And, you know, what that vision is longer term and having your non-sales people be able to see that actually there is the, global coo role that's available in x amount of years providing the business hits these milestones well they're going to be more motivated
0: delivery of of, of taking the business from local to national to international
1: exactly so for me it's also it's working with the business owners to help them to understand what that path looks like for your ops person because like you say if you've never had that person in your business before, how do you know what they should be doing? How do you know what is the difference between an ops manager, a head of an ops director?
0: What looks good, what doesn't look good.
1: What works, what doesn't work.
0: All sorts of, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much to it, isn't there? But, I mean, do you think that sort of fundamentally the issue kind of seems to lie with sort of business vision and business direction, right, in that, and, th- and that's kind of fed from sometimes a lack of understanding and awareness and sometimes um, just sort of kind of a lack of funding or whatever. Mm-hmm. But do you think that there'll ever be a point where um, sort of a, a recruitment ops person can and should be running the entire business, allowing that kind of business owner to focus on international growth yeah. strategy or you know collaboration opportunities or investors and that kind of thing because you know surely that's a better use of that person's time especially if I've got if I'm paying on and you're on my payroll for being an ops manager or yeah. ops director and you've got goals and visions and ambitions of being a COO yeah well surely I should hand that baton over to you and go right while you do that and get the day-to-day in I can His. then look at vision future strategy exit
1: yeah well i think this is this is that classic classic thing i've been loving um i don't know if you've seen the um graphic that's been going around recently which is the ceo cfo coo no, right, no. so it's a really good graphic. Have it, like I've seen a couple of people put different versions of it up, what? but it's basically looking at actually when you're at those board level positions, who should actually be responsible for what, and ultimately your CEO is that visionary leader, right? They are the person that is the face of the company from leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that are kind of thinking about what that future is. Internationalisation, new brands, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Mergers,
0: acquisitions, all of that stuff.
1: This is it. Your your COO is the person who takes that and turns it into something real. Yeah. Who takes that. That vision and puts that strategy behind it as to how, what do we need to change internally as a business to actually be able to achieve that? And your CFO is the person who is ultimately looking at like the financial viability of that, the due diligence around it. The, you know, is this something that we can achieve with the current financial state of the business? What financial position do we need to be in to do that? But the the COO is like, how do we make those changes to achieve that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what a really interesting thing for me as I've been speaking to various different clients over the the last sort of six, seven weeks, is some businesses genuinely don't have an operational strategy. And they're not looking at how they're achieving their business objectives. Mm -hmm. So they put a fee target on the board and everyone is focused on this is, you know, we need to hit this number. But there has been no sort of breakdown of if that is possible. And, you know, sometimes those numbers are just picked from the air. And it's like, you're you're going to be really disappointed and demotivated. And the people, are you know, that are employed by you are going to think that you guys don't have the ability to do this. It's, but it's because you're yeah. not... You've not looked at how you're actually going it's to deliver it's,
0: it. It's funny you say that. We had a similar situation uh, when we were kind of setting targets and stuff for our recruitment business. And some of the figures that my business partner was putting up on the board, I was kind of like, where are you getting these numbers from? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, if everybody does this, and I was like, but no, nobody has billed 10 grand a month consistently for the three months. Yeah. Nobody. That, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So you're setting them with an objective that they're never going to meet and therefore they're going to feel worse about their performance. Yeah. You're then working out your kind of financial forecasting based on them hitting these numbers that are, that never are not going to happen in the first place. Yeah. And so, like, it's it's all a fallacy, right? And he was like, no, exactly. but, you know, and, and I remember kind of going, like, we're not Michael Page. You're setting targets that we had at Michael Page. Yeah. Michael Page have got years of brand yeah. years of psls yeah thousands of stuff yeah we don't have any of that yeah so how about we be realistic and say do you know what if jim can put a three grand a three grand fee on the board yeah. and cover his wage and the cost of his computer equipment for that month that's pretty good yeah yeah and yeah, now yeah. how do we take him from that to go let's try and get a four and a half grand fee next time you know yeah. Your fee is 15%. Let's try and work that up to 20%. Exactly. Realistically, yeah. I'm not going to get you to go from one fee a month to two fee a months in, in in the short space of time yeah. because that's not possible. Yeah. What is possible though is for me to train you on negotiating your fee better. Exactly. And let's get you from 15% fees to 17 and a half and then take that 17 and a half up to 20. Let's work on kind of measurable smaller yeah. chunks, right? But yeah, I, I witnessed what you what you're saying and I'm all sort of like fucking out. Like, this is where people go wrong because, like, Sean, for, for all his flaws, was a great recruiter and a great salesperson. But when it comes to things like that and financial forecasts and numbers and stuff, like, he'd do things like that and I'd just be sitting there scratching my head thinking, these are just not achievable. Yeah. Like, this is stupid. Like, we're going to look at that board every day and get pissed off at ourselves yeah. and the team. Yeah. Rather than celebrating, we're going to be constantly on them like, guys, oh, yeah. are 30 grand behind target this year uh, for this month. Well, of course they are. Yeah. The target's fucking 60 grand. Yeah. We should be celebrating the 30 that they have done. Instead, we're shitting on them for not fitting the other 30s that
1: they missed. This is it. And I think it's it's from when um sort of business owners and stuff, they kind of they get this overall figure. And actually, what I will say is that this was something that Camino were always great at because one of Camino's founders is a CFO, like he is an accountant by trade. So yeah. the yeah. way that we were we were set up and the way that we you know looked at our financials was actually you know it was so robust it was so sensible you know it was really we were set up in a really really secure way and part of it is that you know we looked at the individuals what we're expecting those individuals and built it from there rather than going we want to
0: build five million pounds how is that that over my 50 50 people yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like well guess what that
1: person is never gonna
0: build that amount you're holding this person to the same standards as this person not accounting for the market they're in, the experience yeah. they've got, the candidate database they're working on, the desk like warmth. Yeah. Nothing at all. No, just, just nice and easy, then. Yeah. Take this that thing and just divide it by the number of staff we've got.
1: And I think it's by not like I said, the bit the big thing for me is by not involving your operational people as part of that conversation yeah. means that they can't you know, give you that insight into actually, I think we need to slightly change the way that we're doing this
0: or because they know the people,
1: exactly. They know
0: their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They yep. know what works and doesn't work with that particular well, Yeah, and you, your value.
1: Yeah. And if you're looking at the data, you know, one of the things that I would always look at is, okay, so fair enough. We're going to get this amount from this person, but how much of that is coming from existing business how much of that is coming from new business because there is no way we know it's not all coming from from mm-hmm. uh, existing business are they are they skilled enough to bring in that chunk from new business do they have the skill set are they actually able to go out and what to win recreating? those clients yeah so You then get to put in a much more strategic process to be like, actually, if we're looking at X amount of revenue this year, and we know that we need to bring in a million pounds from Mm -hmm. new business, well, guess what? We start in January on our strategic um, business development training, our roadmaps, all of that kind of stuff. We don't wait till July and then go, oh, we've actually not brought in any new business <laughs> mm, because yeah. we didn't work out at the start if our staff were actually going to be able to achieve that. And by that point, it is too late. Yeah. You need to have that kind of, that management information, that that data insight straight away when you're coming into the year to be like, we need to fix this before it's a problem.
0: Yeah, and be willing to act on it. Yeah. That's, yeah, no. I think that's a really solid point to finish on. Yeah. Um, what have you got going on? Here's a chance to plug your <laughs> shit. <laughs> Camera's there. Oh,
1: right. Okay. So, oh, <coughs> hitting the microphone.
0: you got your WhatsApp group. You want people adding into? in too? Yeah.
1: So, do you know what? I've got a few things. We've, I've also got some kind of exciting, exclusive news that I'll share with you guys in a minute as well. So, um, in terms of what I'm doing, I've set up Rackups Consultancy, which is basically me doing board level advisory, um, also project based stuff for those SME recruitment businesses. Um, We've got the recruitment ops mentoring. So this is um, a training program that is a mixture of practical workshops, coaching and mentoring um, around building careers, but also filling in those skills gaps, actually helping people to drive their recruitment businesses forward. Um, And then the final thing that actually, you know, this is going to be a bit of an exclusive. Um, I've joined forces with um, another absolutely insanely fantastic ops director in the recruitment sector um, called Shari De Silva. And we have essentially decided to somewhat combine our respective um, Mm. businesses to come up with what we're essentially describing as the one stop shop ops platform um which is everything that you will need from a resources perspective um we're going to be moving the community group over there so like i said we've got the whatsapp group if you want to join that send me a message um we'll get you added in but this is going to have all of your documents all of your templates every kind of resource that you are going to need to set up any policy any process within your recruitment business Um, yeah we're then gonna have um, actual training that goes alongside that. So this will be you know, training documents, training videos that actually talk you through how to implement that into mm-hmm. your business. So understanding what are the risks, what are the things that you need to be thinking of and also tips and tricks for how you implement it. And then a whole sort of careers planning portal. So understanding what are those differences between ops manager, COO. Yeah. Um, You know, what should you be looking at? What objectives should you be putting into place? How do you need to develop? Um, And then we'll also be having um, experts from the sector come in and talk about um, their respective fields in terms of, you know, if you're an ops person that's doing marketing, you're not necessarily going to be an expert in marketing, but let's get a marketing expert to come and tell you what is the best yeah. way to do X, Y, Z? Right. Yeah. So um, we're going to be launching that. We've put out the first sort of couple of teaser posts, um, but we're going to be launching that hopefully March time. Cool. Um, and yeah, it's going to be um, hopefully revolutionising the way recruitment ops is currently working.
0: Sound, sounds promising. It's yeah. It certainly does. Yeah, no, it's good. The, the the Speaking as a former recruitment business owner, there definitely needs to be more people like you guys that are really kind of just... Educating. Yeah, so 100%. That, that's, yeah, that's really cool. No, I appreciate you coming on today. Thank Just you to so much for
1: camp. having
0: me. And you can uh, go over to Hinkley and uh, <laughs> see... <laughs> no, don't tell them that because
1: I'm not going to see my family.
0: Yeah, that was good.
1: Perfect.